All right, let's get into this thing today because I'm excited about this word. Acts chapter 16, uh, beginning at verse 22. We're going to uh, read this here. Uh, the crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having uh, received such a command, he threw them into the inner prison, fastened their feet in stocks, uh, verse 25, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors, everyone say all the doors. All the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. Um, this is what, uh, this just dropped in my spirit uh, real quick in reading verse 26. What God wants to do today is not going to be just for individuals. God's going to open up stuff for everybody. So you can, you can take that right there. God, God's not just going to do it for a couple folk. God wants to do it for everybody in the building today, everyone watching online. Verse, verse uh, oh, Jesus. Okay, verse 27. Uh, when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Now, I just got to throw this out there real quick because the irony of this is that they were, they were locked up. God opened the doors and they still waited. They still waited because they understood ultimately what God was going to do was not just about them, but there was somebody who needed to come into the kingdom. Oh, Lord. So what God's about ready to do for you is not just for you. Somebody needs to see the miracle that God's getting ready to do for you and their souls that's going to be saved from it. Okay. Sorry, I'm trying to get into the message, but it's just when it drops, I got to throw it out there. Uh, and, and, and he called for lights and he rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And here it is. And after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Oh, Lord. Let's get into this today because I want to just, uh, I want to preach somewhat quickly uh, today. And don't my kingdom life people laugh, uh, but I, I promise y'all I won't, I ain't going to preach long. And so um, <laughs> I want to talk to you today about um, the, the principle of breakthrough praise, the principle of breakthrough praise. And um, one of the things that I have to do is, is I've got to lay some foundation for this because I think there are some uh, misconceptions and some things uh, when it comes to particularly uh, praise and worship that we have to uh, consider before we understand the power and the purpose uh, of what's about to take place here today. Uh, the first thing that I want to just present to you here real quick is uh, this, this concept very simply. We are commanded in Scripture to praise God. We are commanded in Scripture to praise God. Someone say praise is not optional. For the child of God, praise is not optional, it's mandatory. God did not give his children an option whether we want to bless him or not. It is, it is mandatory for us to praise God. And look, it's not because God is self-absorbed or egotistical. That's not the reason why God wants us to praise him. Uh, it's not because he is, is absorbed in himself, but rather praise helps absorb us in him. Praise helps uh, absorb us in him. You see, there's a principle that even uh, psychiatrists know that, that what your mouth says reinforces what your mind believes. So what comes out of your mouth fortifies what's already in your head because uh, not only do other people hear what you're saying, but you hear what you're saying. 
You hear the words that are coming out of your mouth. And so what you got to understand is this God does not need us to tell him how great he is because he already knows he's bad. God already knows he can do anything, so he doesn't need us to remind him. But there's something about when it begins to come out of our mouth because ultimately your praise is a confession of your faith. Because when we get into to praising God and blessing God and we begin to tell God things like, Lord, your good and your mercy endures forever. He already knows that, but when our mind hears our voice saying it, it fortifies the goodness of God in our spirit. When we begin to declare things like, God, you're great and greatly to be praised. You know, God already knows he's great. When we declare how excellent is your name in all the earth, God already knows his name is excellent, but when we declare it, it fortifies something in our spirit and it, it literally energizes your faith. We are commanded in scripture to praise God. The second principle we have to understand about praise is this. Psalm 22 and verse 3 very specifically says God inhabits praise. God dwells in praise. Literally inhabit means that God is enthroned when we praise him. Now, enthroned, uh, you may not have the full understanding of the word enthroned. Uh, I look up definitions. I'm a weird person. I read the dictionary. And so the dictionary definition of enthroned, watch, literally means this, to seat in a place or position of authority. To enthrone means to seat or place in a position of authority. So literally what scripture is telling us is when we praise God, it seats him in a position of authority. Or when we begin to bless God and praise God as we are commanded to do, literally it allows him a place to sit and it allows his authority to be revealed. And how many of you know when the authority of God shows up? There's all kinds of stuff that's going to change when God shows up. So you've got to look that God then is seated or in, he is enwrapped in authority when we praise him. And so we really, uh, one of the things you got to understand is one of the things that God always has wanted is he's wanted a people that will not accept earth as earth is, but a people that will pray or that will uh, induce or cause his kingdom to come where we are. That's one of the desires of God. Even, even when God put Adam on earth, he didn't put Adam on earth just to uh, plant seeds and let flowers grow. Literally, Adam was the first governor on earth because God's purpose was always to have someone on earth duplicate what was already in heaven. Even so much so that when he called Moses to build a tabernacle, he said, Moses, I don't want you to just build something. I need you to build it based upon what already exists. And what Moses built was a tabernacle patterned off of what was already in heaven because even under, Lord have mercy, even in the Old Testament, God needed somebody that was going to show earth this is what kingdom really looks like. And that's why he gave them the Ark of the Covenant and that's why it housed the glory of God and it got so important to the people of God and even their enemies that the enemies knew when they saw that Ark being carried in front of the Israelites, whoever they were fighting, they knew it was going to be a bad day because they knew there was something about that box that when the box showed up, they were going to win a victory. Oh, Lord, this is what dropped in my spirit. Quit trying to fight battles without glory. When you get glory, God will fight your battles for you. Yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. God is enthroned on the praises 
of his people. It gives God a place of authority to come and rest. Lord have mercy. So one here what we got to look at now, we got to understand that there are there are even biblical ways of praising God. There are biblical ways of praising God. Uh, unfortunately, I've been in some churches that were calling themselves praising God, but it wasn't necessarily Bible-based. Uh, have you ever been in one of churches that it was just foolishness? I'm not saying here. I'm saying you've been there. That's why you're here now. Y'all got scared real quick. Just foolishness. I, I, I know a pastor one time that he pastored a youth group and they was going to give God a mosh pit praise and the people literally was running and drop kicking the walls and knocking up the drywall because they were giving God a violent praise. Look, if your praise is making me fix the drywall of my church, that's not God, it's the devil. Just trying to help y'all out. But there, there, are, there are some definitions of praise, and I challenged my people back home uh, just a couple weeks ago. I challenged them. I said, look, I want you to go through Scripture and show me somewhere that the Bible says to praise God, but there's not some type of action that corresponds with your praise. Huh. In the original uh, uh, text of the Old Testament, it was written in the Hebrew language, and there are predominantly seven root words for praise. You can get as many as nine out of these seven, but there's basically seven words for praise, and the first one that I'm going to throw out there is the word Hallel. The first one is the word Hallel. Hallel is, is a root word in the Hebrew language, and it's where we get our word hallelujah from. It, 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 hallelujah, Hallel, Yah, or praise Jehovah. It, here's the definition it means to be clear. It means to shine, it means to boast about, to show forth, to rave, to celebrate. And here's the last one, literally it means to be clamorously foolish. I didn't say foolishness, I said to be clamorously foolish. That's the very first root word, the most general word for praise that you will ever get is this, to shine, to show forth, to rave about, to be clamorously foolish, to celebrate God, Hallel, to Hallel God. Many of you know the passage of Scripture that says, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord is to be Hallel. The name of the Lord is to be celebrated. The name of the Lord is to rave about. The name of the Lord is to show forth about. Or literally when you're, when you're celebrating. Um, you see, here's what gets me. is Sometimes when we get saved, all of a sudden we get too dignified. All of a sudden, when we get saved, we think, oh, we get saved, we come to church, and uh, I got to give God the, uh, the hands folded praise. I got to get proper now. And it amazes me how before Christ, how some of, well, maybe not y'all, but other churches, they would act before Christ. And then all of a sudden, they get all dignified, like we would, we would scream and holler at ball games. We would scream and holler at, during parties. Don't, don't, look, don't let your song come on. Oh, that's my jam. You right out on the dance floor. See, I got somebody in the back. I, I'm not looking. It's somebody over that way. Y'all, y'all. But then all of a sudden, when it comes to God, we, we get. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let me keep on giving y'all definitions right now. Hallel. Everyone say hallel. 
Hillel. The next definition of the word praise is to is yada. Yada means to extend the hand, to throw out the hand. Uh, means to worship God with extended hands, to, to lift our hands up or to, to praise God with lifted hands. If you wonder why we lift our hands, it's Bible. It says that, that, that there's a form of praise that we lift our hands for. Uh, the third word for praise is the word toda, which is similar to yada, but uh, toda means an extension of the hand in adoration. So here we have lifting of our hands in praise, but we also have now lifting of our hands in worship, lifting of our hands in adoration. This brings me to the fourth word for praise, and it's this word, shabak. Shabak means to shout, to address in a loud tone, to command or to triumph. Shabak, to shout, to address in a loud tone, to command or to triumph. Word number five is the word barak, which means to kneel down and to bless God as an act of adoration. Sixth word is zamar, which means to pluck the strings of an instrument, to sing or to praise God. It's a musical word, which means or involves a, a joyful expression of music and musical instruments. Everyone say joyful expression. Say that one more time, joyful expression. I'm always amazed when I can go to churches and they're singing songs that should be joyful, but there's no joy when they sing. I'm going to help some of y'all out, and I, this is a little illustration I had to use for my folks because I've been there. Y'all ever been at that church? And I'm going to go old school because I am old school. Don't let, the, don't let this smooth face fool you. I'm old school. There's an 85-year-old trapped on the inside of me. I promise. I promise. But uh, you've been in church, and they start singing uh, Victory in Jesus. And they sing it like this. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He, I'm like, ain't no victory in that. No, I don't know what's in that, but there's not, there's, it was a joyful expression. It's okay to be happy when you praise God. Ah, the seventh word for praise is the word tehillah. It comes from the word hallel, but literally it is the singing of hallels, the singing of hallelujahs, to sing or to laud, laud God, or it, it, it also um, uh, references music, or the singing of hallels, the singing of hallelujahs that involve music. These are the seven root words for praise in scripture. So anything that we talk about praise somehow is going to be wrapped around these seven Hebrew words for praise because this is where we get it from, okay? This is where we get it from. So, so now i got to help some of y'all out because I know uh, there are always some mentalities that come when we start talking about praise and worship. So here's what I have to do. i got to give you the five main objections I've heard from people of why they don't praise God. Five main objections. And the reason I've heard these objections before is, remember, I was a worship leader long before I was a pastor, and I've had conversations with people. Here's one of the main things that I hear when it comes to I not praising God. And it's this, well, it's just not my personality. Oh, man, maybe I guess some of y'all use that one. Not to me, so I'm not. Uh, it's just not my personality. Just not my personality. But here's something that I wrote down and maybe it'll help you out. Uh, we're to praise God according to his excellent greatness, not according to our personalities. And also, when we start understanding what Christ has done in us, then we also understand that in Christ we're new creations. The old thing has passed away and we become new. So when we come into this moment, it's not our personality praising God, it's the new nature in Christ that's praising God. 
And the praise is always according to God, not according to us. Our praise is at a level of how good God is. Mm. Hmm. I, I, I know years ago, years ago, uh, we, we had uh, kind of a, a friend of ours that we invited to a, um, a, a church service and, and they came to the service and uh, about, about 30 minutes in, ran out the back door, said they had a migraine, just couldn't take all that bumping, bumping music, and it was just too loud, and I can't do all this, and, you know, whatever, I, no. Uh, and I'm like, well, okay. But my problem with it was is uh, just a few months later, we were invited to the wedding. And, and, and we went to the wedding, and then we went to the reception after the wedding. And at the reception after the wedding, they had all kinds of speakers set up. They had hired a live DJ. There was subwoofers. The bass was bumping. I was standing three quarters of the way in the back and couldn't hear myself think. And the same person that had a migraine in church after about three shots of tequila was down front in the speaker just giving her one of these. And it registered then. It is your personality to rejoice. You just choose what you want to rejoice over. Maybe that's why the Bible says we're supposed to be drunk in the spirit. And we lose those natural inhibitions that would keep us from blessing God the way we're supposed to. Let me keep on going. I'm meddling right now. Here's the next, next objection, next, next objection to praise and worship, and the second one is this. Well, it's just a cultural thing. Praise and worship is a cultural thing. Uh, here's what I want to say to that. It's not a cultural thing, it's a scriptural thing. When I say cultural, we got one or two things that we're dealing with here. Number one, everybody thinks that the only people praise God are the Pentecostal folk. That's a Pentecostal thing. That's a... <laughs> That's a charismatic thing. They're the only ones that do all that stuff. That's not, it's their, it's their culture. But even I remember as a kid, I went to a, uh, there's a group of churches back home called Church of God Mission. And um, I went to a church camp and sang at their church camp. And honestly, them folks about scared me to pieces. I heard more war hoops and screaming and hollering. I sang, uh, well, you know, here we were 14, and the main song for the church camp back then at 14 for us young people was Battle on My Knees and Cried Holy. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. See, that's how old it is. And uh, anyhow, man, I got, I got to that second verse, and I saw Abraham. And them young people like, Wah! I'm like, what? Dude jumped up, punched the pulpit, man, they was going crazy. I said, oh, so it's not just my folk that do this. It's the first thing that we say, it's a cultural thing, it's a Pentecostal thing, it's a charismatic thing. But then here's the next thing, and you see, let me preface this by saying, back home I've got a saying, and it's Kingdom Life will be the most multicultural church in the state of West Virginia. And with that being said, we probably are already there. And so it's funny when you start bringing cultures together, because here's what happens in church. Sometimes when the music gets high and really going, the white folks think it's the black folks' job to praise. And then when it comes time for worship, the black folk think it's the white folks' job to worship. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. 
I saw a t-shirt, and I think it's funny for my old school saints, you'll understand this. It said, I'm stuck somewhere between have you tried Jesus and Hillsong. Some, somewhere in between. But it's, it's not a cultural thing, it's a scriptural thing. And that's why ultimately we need each other because if the white folk can learn some praise from the black folk and the black folk can learn some worship from the white folk, then we can all come together and have a worship experience that glorifies God and looks like the kingdom. And ultimately it's not a white or black thing, it's a Jewish thing. It's where we got it from. Oh, Lord. Here's the third objection that I've heard to people why they don't want to praise God. Here's number three. Are you ready? It don't take all that. It don't take all that hollering. Don't take all that jumping. I didn't put on the right deodorant. I ain't getting sweaty today in church. Don't take all that. But you see, I've just got one response to that, and that's this. Tell that to Joshua. Tell Joshua it didn't take all that shouting. Tell Gideon it didn't take all that shouting when he needed a miracle and he needed the victory of his life. Tell Gideon it don't take all that. Tell Jehoshaphat when he was surrounded by the enemy armies and God, all he said was send the praisers singing for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Tell, tell Jehoshaphat it don't take all that. Better yet, let's go to our original text. Tell Paul and Silas it didn't take all that. Let me get back, let me get back to my notes. I gotta keep my finger on the text here. Here's the fourth thing that I've heard for as far as objections, it's this. That's not a New Testament principle. This is from my theologians. This is from my theologians. That's not a New Testament thing. It doesn't talk about shouting in the New Testament, but uh, uh, I need y'all to go somewhere real quick and just um, real quick. Let's go to Luke chapter 10 and verse 21. Luke chapter 10 and verse 21. This is talking about Jesus, our Savior, our example, uh, Jesus himself. It says this, in that same hour, he, meaning Jesus, rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Everyone say, Jesus rejoiced. Here's what it means to rejoice. Rejoice means to be exceedingly glad and to leap for joy. Jesus was exceedingly glad and leaped for joy. Can I tell you our biggest problem with this passage of Scripture is we've got the wrong image of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you why, and here it is. Most of us have grown up with what I call the Olin Mills Jesus. Huh? We've grown up with the Olin Mills Jesus. When we need a miracle, this is what we see. We need God to show up and we see. And depending on the culture that you grew up in, some of y'all grew up with the white, blue-eyed Jesus. Some of you grew up with the Jewish-looking Jesus. And some of you grew up with the black Jesus. But this is the image that we have of Jesus, and this is why I believe God thousands of years ago told his people, don't make any images of me because you're going to make one that I don't look like and you're going to cause people to believe in a me that I'm not. I promise you, if this is what the real Jesus looked like, the kids wouldn't have ran to him. I know kids. Kids stay away from people that look like this. 
But this is the image that we have of Jesus. But the Bible here gives us a, just a, a small example of what Jesus was like. And it said Jesus rejoiced. He was exceeding glad and he was leaping for joy. So instead of picturing this Jesus, sometimes I need you to switch up your image and I need you to see this Jesus. And sometimes it's hard for us to see that Jesus leaping because we've grown up with that Jesus on the wall, the foyer at our church. Ah, it's not a New Testament or, or just an Old Testament principle. It's for us as well. And then the last thing that I'm going to say, the last objection to why people don't want to praise God is they make this comment here. It's just too noisy. It's just too noisy. But here's something I got to let you know real quick. Heaven's noisy. Heaven's loud. If you don't believe me, I got three witnesses in the book of Revelation that lets me know. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 1. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 6. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 2. And I heard a voice from heaven like the sound of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder and the voice which I heard was like the sound of harps playing on their harps and they sang a new song before the throne and before the living creatures and the elders. Oh, look, do you see what I'm saying? Heaven is loud. <laughs> Thunder, lightning, many waters, a great multitude. That's what Heaven is like, do you realize that only one time in Scripture does it talk about heaven being quiet and it was just for a minute? Just for a moment. Oh, Lord. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to go ahead and get ready now for what I'm going to be doing for all eternity. Oh, Lord. Oh, those are the five exceptions or objections that I've heard people use over the years when it comes to praising God. A couple things I want to help you out with now. Number one, praise is a physical response to a spiritual stimulus. Let's say it one more time. Praise is a physical response to a spiritual stimulus. There's something that happens when our spirit gets excited, we start moving. <laughs> It's a physical response to a spiritual stimulus. I, I like the illustration that I use because growing up in church, um, how many of you grew up kind of old school church? Just, I need some of y'all to help me. So I got some, I got some of them old school churchy folks. Y'all know when the service got dry, whoever had to, uh, was up front, they just had to say something real quick to get the saints going. And it didn't take a whole lot. All they had to do was say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. And that look, it would turn to church real quick because look, ultimately for the child of God, all we should have to do is think of the goodness of Jesus and it should trigger a response. When, when we think about how good he's been, a hand should go up. When we think about how good he's been, a hallelujah should go up. When we think about how good he's been, there, there should be some type of response when we start thinking about how good God has been to us. Next thing I'm going to say is praise is an outward expression of inward thankfulness. It's an outward expression of inward thankfulness. You know, uh, how many of you know it's impossible to thank someone without using your voice? 
There's some, or you write a card or whatever it is, there's some type of outward expression of your inward thankfulness. When, when you're raising kids and someone gives them a dollar or something at church, the first thing you look at them is what well, you say. I don't know if y'all got the, y'all got the official pastor candy outer person at the church. When I grew up, we had the, the, the one dude that stood at the door and he gave all of us kids cinnamon. We didn't like cinnamon, but he gave us all cinnamon. We wanted like Jolly Ranchers, but we got cinnamon. Couldn't taste my McDonald's on the way home because the cinnamon was so strong. But I learned at a young age, even when I got that cinnamon, my response was thank you. Thank you. Every time somebody did something for us, we were taught to say thank you. So if we can learn how to say thank you for some candy, or we can learn to say thank you for a dollar, how much more should we be able to learn the art of thanking God when it comes to salvation? There's times in our life I understand life gets rough, life looks bad, sometimes things don't go the way we want to, but ultimately when we look back at we should always still have a thank you in our spirit because when it's all said and done, I might not be living where I want to live, I might not be driving what I want to drive, my life may not look like what I want it to look like, I might not be working where I want to work, but ultimately I still got to thank you in my spirit because ultimately I'm saved, I've been delivered out of a devil's hell, and I still got a word that says let the redeemed say so who's been delivered out of the hand of the enemy when it's all said and done I still gotta thank you if for no other reason than my sins have been forgiven he died on the cross he rose again he he Lord have mercy I, I, I'm old school I said it but I hear things he said he picked me up and he turned me around and he put my feet on so I should always have a thank you in my spirit for God because he's just been that good to me an outward expression of our inward thankfulness and the last thing that I'm going to say and here's what you really got to understand is when it's all said and done Satan hates your praise Satan hates your praise if there's one thing that he oh Lord if there's one thing that he can stop you or wants to stop you from doing and that's praising God Because you've got to understand the nature of him. <laughs> he was created as the worshiping angel. He was created, the Bible says literally, with instrumentation woven into the fabric of his being. It gives me the idea, the understanding that when he walked, the drums played. When he lifted his arm, the piano began to play. When he lifted this arm, the guitar would begin to play. Literally, he was a band in and of himself. He was the worship leader in heaven. I believe that when he got kicked out, see, sometimes we say, well, Satan fell. Satan didn't fall. Jesus kicked him out. Mm. When he fell from heaven, when he got kicked out, I believe that the third of the angels that he took, he took the worship team. He took the choir. He took the band. He took all the instruments. Said, God, what are you going to do without this? And God said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to make somebody, I'm going to call him Adam. And what you thought you were taking from me, I'm going to create on earth to do for me by choice what you wouldn't do when you were created to do it. 
So literally, we have replaced the worship team that got kicked out. And I don't know about you, but have y'all ever replaced a disgruntled employee? I see some hands back there. Uh, you ever had to take somebody's job? And they, uh, I don't know, but typically when you took their job, I'd be willing to say they didn't give you all their notes. I'd be willing to say that and say, oh, here's all my files. They just fired me. I hope you do a great job. You're going to do so awesome at this job. No. No. So what you got to understand is ultimately Satan is a disgruntled employee. Because we replaced his position. But watch, it goes a step further. One of the things you got to understand is the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, it refers to Satan by the name of Lucifer. You got to understand something that he's never mentioned as Lucifer after he fell. This is important, you see, because uh, in translation, we've translated the word Lucifer to uh, morning star. But when you go back to the original language that the Bible was written in, do you want to know the actual root word to the word Lucifer? It's the word Hillel. <laughs> the primary word that we just saw for praise, that was not only was he created with praise in him, but literally God gave him the name of praise. But after his fall, he is no longer mentioned as Hillel any longer. God said, look, not only am I going to kick you out, but I'm going to take that name from you. And the name that I gave you that you should have used to bless me, I'm taking it away, but I'm going to give it to someone else. I'm going to give it to some people on earth. And every time you hear them shout hallelujah, you're going to recognize and remember where you were, but where you fell from. Every time you hear them shout hallelujah, you're going to remember your position, but now you're going to realize that, Lord have mercy, that you've been replaced. The enemy can't stand your hallelujah. And let me tell you how awesome God is. God set it up so much so that the word hallelujah is the same in every language. So God said, look, you're not even going to have to interpret it. If it's in English or Spanish or whatever, when we hear the word hallelujah, it automatically means praise the Lord. Praise Jehovah. Celebrate Jehovah. Rave about Jehovah. Show off Jehovah. Satan can't stand your hallelujah. And so what you need to understand is every time he tries to remind you where you were, you lift up a hallelujah and it reminds him what he was and what you've been created to Someone lift up one big shout of hallelujah real quick. Just Some of you just made some devils angry. Some of you just made some devils nervous. When we, when we lifted up that shout of hallelujah, there were some demons that started saying, uh-oh, they're starting to get it. They're starting to understand what's about to take place. I, I tried to tell you, God don't want just individual miracles. He wants everybody in this house for a door to open up. I, uh, I got to get it. I gotta, I'm, 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 I'm trying to hurry. I'm trying to hurry. I'm trying to hurry. Satan hates your praise. Here's the last thing that I got to tell you is this, and it's sound travels. Scientists let us know that sound travels. So when you lift up a praise, it doesn't stay right where you are. It travels. 
it doesn't stay in the building, it travels. You see, scientists are telling us that they're, they're, they're discovering new galaxies. They're discovering new planets. They're discovering new stars. Maybe that's the fact that sound travels when God thousands of years ago said, let there be. Maybe it's still creating stuff, and the scientists are just trying to catch up to what God's still creating. <laughs> ah, sound Sound travels, sound, sound travels. It don't stay in a building. It don't stay right there at your mouth. It don't stay in your vocal cords. Sound travels. I, I heard this principle applied uh, by, by a preacher a couple weeks ago, and he said he went to preach at a place years and years ago, early on in his ministry, and the pastor looked at him and said, Look, you're a great preacher, you're a great prophet, but you're a horrible praiser. He said, you're going to have to understand what praise can do for you. And he looked at this, this young preacher and he said, you see that china on the table there? He said, yes, sir. He said, pick the plate up and break it over the side of the table. He said it was expensive, but he didn't pay for it, so he obeyed and he broke it. <laughs> he broke it over the edge of the table. The preacher looked at him again and said, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to take that next piece. I want you to pick it up. I want you to throw it down on the ground. Picked it up, threw it on the ground, and it shattered. He said, I want you to take that glass that's right there. I want you to keep it in your hand and slam it up against the table. He wrapped his hand up in some cloth so he wouldn't get cut. And he took it and he slammed it against that table. There was one piece left. The pastor looked at him. He said, now take that glass and sit it right over there. He took that glass. He set it over there. What he didn't tell us first was that the, that, that pastor was a former opera singer. That pastor was a former opera singer. And what that pastor did was is he, he, he looked at that glass and he started something like, oh, and the glass broke. Without any physical effort, the glass broke. Without him having to put his hands on anything, the glass broke. Why? Because there's a principle that we have to understand that sound travels. And when you start looking at glass, you have to understand that glass has a particular resonance. And when you're, oh Lord, when you're, when you're hollering at glass, when you hit the right resonance, that glass will break and you don't have to touch it. All you have to do is talk to it. All you have to do <laughs> is use your voice and it's going to break by itself. Mm. And so, as I begin to think about our original text today, I begin to think about sound traveling, and I begin to think about the fact that Paul and Silas were in jail. But about midnight, Paul and Silas begin to pray and sing praises. I heard this said one time, what was significant about midnight? And the answer was nothing besides it's the only place on the clock that both hands are up. And they begin to sing and they begin to praise God. And the first thing that it tells us is that the prisoners were listening. You see, one of the things you have to understand is ultimately praise does not scare prisoners. Praise is inviting to prisoners because praise is the sound of freedom. And those that are bound need to hear the sound of freedom. I got to, oh Lord, yeah, yeah, they need to hear the sound of freedom because how many of you know freedom sounds good when you're bound up? Freedom sounds good when you're held captive. They may not completely understand what you're doing, but it's going to trigger something in their spirit that I need the freedom that they 
have, oh Lord. And here's the thing, Paul and Silas were in the same situation that they were in but we're still able to release a sound of freedom. Okay, 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 okay. And it said that as they began to lift up the hymns of praise to God, the song of praise to God, it said, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation was shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Here's a word for everybody today that you've been waiting on God to open a door, but God said, I'm waiting on you to open your mouth because God said when you begin to open up your mouth there's some doors that's going to open as a byproduct of you blessing me there's some things that I'm going to open up for you that all you're going to have to do is use your voice and let your sound travel Oh, Lord. And so as I thought back through Scripture, and I'm almost finished, I promise. When I thought back through Scripture, I began to think again about Joshua. And I began to think about as they were marching around the walls of Jericho. And on the seventh day, and on the seventh time around, God said, I want you to start blowing trumpets, and I want you to begin shouting. And all of a sudden, it became alive to me, is this. When they began to shout, the shout didn't stay at their mouth, but rather the shout traveled to the walls of Jericho. Jericho and as their shout traveled to the walls of Jericho it began to break those walls just like a voice can break a glass Lord have mercy as Gideon was surrounding the armies that he was outnumbered by in a situation that he should have been defeated and God said I need you to break these pictures and when you break the pictures I want you to release a shout and as they began to be obedient just 300 of them and they lifted up a shout of praise they weren't just shouting on the mountaintop but rather their shout traveled and their shout traveled to the armies and it said God gave them a great victory as Jehoshaphat was surrounded by the enemy armies and they sent forth the praises singing for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever look the armies couldn't even hear them shouting but the sound traveled to where the armies were and it said that the enemies began to ambush each other what happened their shout hit the mark their shout hit the target their praise hit the destination because their praise didn't stay there with them. Their praise traveled to where they needed the breakthrough. Oh, Lord, as Paul and Silas were locked in chains and stocks and began to bless God and begin to praise God at midnight, they began to lift up a shout of praise and begin to magnify the name of the Lord. And the sound traveled to the foundation of the prison. The sound traveled to the doors. The sound traveled to the shackles that were holding them bound and not only did Paul and Silas get free but everybody in the room that heard their everybody that heard their praise got free sometimes you got to understand your praise is not just going to set you free your praise is going to travel to somebody on the other side of the church that needs freedom your praise is going to travel to your living room where your spouse is watching right now your praise is going to travel to your children that don't want to have anything to do with God but it's going to hit them and break some stuff open your your sound is traveling your sound is traveling and when we release the right resonance there's some glass ceilings that God is going to break open and it's not by might it's not by power but it's by my spirit says the Lord
there somebody, anybody, lift up that song of praise that's going to break some walls down. Lift up that praise that's going to lose some shackles. Let your sound travel. Shout over your job. Shout over your family. Shout over your children. Shout over your spouses. Shout over your grandchildren. Shout over your job. There's some things that God is going to break open today. And it's because your praise. It's because your praise is going to hit the right note. I'm telling you, your praise is going to break some things open today. Your praise is going to release some things in the spirit today. Look, I got a word for some of you. Some of you been praying hard. Some of you have been fasting hard. Some of you have been seeking hard. But God said, look, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. What's going to happen is, is for some of you, you've been waiting on a long time, but now you're about to mix some praise in the middle of your prayer. And there's something that's going to shake open in your life because I've got a news flash for you. The devil can't stop it. The devil can't block it. Lord have mercy. If he couldn't keep himself in heaven, he can't stop the praises of God's people from going forth and opening up what God said. It's going to open up. One more time, someone just shout out a big hallelujah. And shout out a big hallelujah. Come on, make some demons nervous today. Make some walls nervous today. Make some shackles nervous to We declare that in the name of Jesus, as we shout, every hindrance is being removed. As we shout, God is bringing the high places down. The valleys are being exalted. The crooked places are being made straight. We're preparing a path for the glory of the Lord to be revealed. We declare. In the name of Jesus, every shout opens a door. Every shout breaks a shackle. Every shout blocks the plan of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, we declare freedom over our minds. I believe that even right now as you're praising God, there's some of you came in here today with shackles on your mind. God is setting it free today. I'm telling you, I don't know how to explain it, but it's almost like, it's almost like you feel like the enemy has had his hand on your mind. Like you would palm a basketball. And everywhere you go, it feels like he's got a squeeze on your mind. Like he's got a squeeze on your mind. I'm telling you today, every time you shout, I see a finger lifting off of you. A hand lifting off of you. dropped in my spirit sometimes that call is for the intercessors 
because the intercessors carry stuff in their mind that some people can't carry. So even for my intercessors right now, if look, this is anything to be ashamed about, this is an opportunity to get free. If that is you today, I need you to be like her and I need you to bring your praise to the altar because we're creating, we're creating a throne. We're creating a throne where the authority of the Lord is about to sit because he inhabits or he is enthroned. His authority comes on the praises of his people. I just, ah, I just need everyone else that's here. I need you to understand. You can praise God for them where you are. And God not only move in their life, but God will also in, move in your life. Because whatever you sow into somebody and make happen for them, God will make happen telling you I heard at the start of this message in my spirit God said this ain't gonna be just an individual thing it's going to be a corporate thing this isn't an individual miracle it's a corporate miracle because God's plan is not to leave anybody out he wants everybody's doors to open he wants everybody's shackles to be broken this Someone say it's a corporate thing, and I'm going to get mine today. 